how many, how many of you know that the Bible, the word of God can change your life? Now, <clears throat> I know we say amen to that. And the first uh, service said the same thing too. A little bit of a trick question, I think, I gave you there. But that's not all the way true. Let me explain myself. It's the word you receive, not the word you know that changes your life. You can have all the knowledge in the world and still not have anything change your life until you actually receive that word into yourself. It reminds me of a story, a true story, about a man that was in the desert. He was a Christian, a believer, loved the Lord. And, um, and uh, he was out there, and he'd been out there for a couple of days, had nothing to drink. And uh, he's about to lose his mind, you know, and he's about to lose his life. And in the middle of the desert, out of nowhere, there's a stand that was there. And the, on top of the stand was a beautiful, crystal clear glass of ice water. How many knows there's nothing better than ice water on a hot, hot, hot day? Oh, even people that don't like water, they'll like water on that day. Just drink it down. And he sees that, and he goes it, and he feels it, and he goes, oh, my gosh, it's not a mirage. This is real. He's a believer. So he says these words, you know, I believe if I drink that water, I will not die. And he thought to himself, that's pretty good. And uh, remember, he's a believer. He's a believing Christian. He goes to the other side, looks at the glass of water. He goes, you know what? I believe if I drink that water, I will not die. He's starting to get kind of excited about it, you know, because believers get kind of excited sometimes. They get a little rowdy. And so he goes to the other side of the water, and he looks at it again. He goes, you know what? I believe if I drink that water, I will not die. Well, by this time, he's getting kind of excited. You know, church folk get excited sometimes. He looks at it again. He goes, I'm telling you right now, I believe if I drink that water, I will not die. Then he got super excited. He got Baptist. And he says, I believe if I drink this water, I will not die. We well, got real excited about it. They did a little dance. Come on. He danced, twirled around a couple times. Then he, got, then he got real excited. He got all charismatic, Pentecostal with the Faith Builders Church. Just came out of church service at Faith Builders. Got super excited and said these words. I believe if I drink this water, I, I, I will not die. And he fell over dead. Can anybody tell me why he fell over dead? He didn't drink the water. Very good. You can believe till the cows come home, as they say. You can know it. You can have it as a fact in your mind that if I drink the water, I won't die. But unless you receive the water, you're going to die without it. Come on, somebody. Jesus is the living water. He is the word of God, and he wants to feed our soul today. Are you ready to receive him today? Come on. Everything he's got. So a couple weeks ago, I preached on the hang-ups that got you hung up. Talking about our door series now. And we talked about that the door has to be hung properly. You got to hang it up properly. It has to be hung properly for it to open in your life. Talking about the doors of opportunities. And we talked about the fact that when there are doors that open to you, there are many adversaries and how to defeat the enemy and all that. You need to get caught. If you haven't got caught up yet, go to myfaithbills.com. Uh, we have a podcast there for you. Just go to the, I don't know, whatever podcast app they go to and you'll see us, Faith Builders Church. And it's free. And get caught up. Now, <clears throat> now that was, a, that was a great message. But then last week, last week we talked about just like a door needs hinges to open, so your breakthrough is hinged on your faith. So we talked about 
this. I told you, faith reaches beyond the natural and into the, the dimension of the spirit where God has already provided. And everything you need before you needed it, God knew it, and God made provision for it. So he said you had to see with the eyes of faith before you get there of the need and know that that need is already answered because your faith hinges like the door to open for you. It hinges, uh, your, your miracle hinges on your faith. Then I gave you, I gave you many different stories of the word of God that backs it up. But one claim I, I gave you last week was Abraham. You know, Abraham was called of God to take his son, his only son, upon Mount Moriah, and there he would sacrifice him to the Lord. I know for a fact there's nobody in this place that would want to do that. Matter of fact, I don't think anybody would. Do you think Abraham was any different than any human uh, father? No, he was the same as us. But he knew the voice of God. I'm going to get to that in just a moment. He knew he heard the voice of God. So he obeys God with the idea that even in death, God would raise him from the dead. And he takes him up there. He has no other sacrifice but his son to offer on the altar. He binds his son to the altar, takes the, uh, the fire out to almost, he's going to light the, light the um, offering of his son. But then before that, he's going to take his knife out and he's going to plunge it into the chest of his son. You can only imagine what was going on in his mind. We call him the, the apostle of faith or the man of faith, but truly, the father of faith. But the truly, truth is that I'm sure his mind was really out of control. God, don't make me do this. I'll preach right there by itself. Things God asks us to do that we say, please, don't make me do this. And so he's just about ready to do it. And the angel of the Lord came by and said, stop what you're doing, Abram. God has seen what you've done. And he said, look over yonder. There's a ram caught by its horns in the thicket. He said, there's your sacrifice. Church, that sacrifice, that ram was there the whole time. He just what? He couldn't see it. He had to have eyes to see. And the moment he saw the provision, God said, that's your answer, not your son. I just want to see if you had the faith to do what I asked you to do. And that's where he said, you are Jehovah Jireh. Your provision shall be seen. Your provision shall be unveiled. Come on, church. Now, 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 in other words, what's in your life right now that God's already offered to you that you just can't see yet? Well, everything in that breakthrough you need is hinged by your faith, what you believe. I wish I was preaching that today, praise God. But today, we're going to go a little bit deeper. And I'm going to look at Revelation chapter 3 and verse 20. I will say this to you right now, and as I, I could say this on every message, but this is just what I want to say today. Uh, I love T.D. Jakes. Y'all love T.D. Jakes? T.D. Jakes didn't get this word for you today. Jeff Pruitt did. J.J.P. did. J.P. did that. I got before God and got this word for you today. This is a revelation God gave me many years ago. I'm going to share with you today. I, I, I like Joel. I like Joel. This is my Bible. This is my Bible. I can do what it says. Come on, somebody. We can quote it. Uh, but Joel did not get this for you. Jeff Pruitt got this for you today. And so I want you to receive this. Just say, this is for me from the Lord today, all right, in my life. It's a little deeper, but I want you to get it. Revelation 3.20 says that Jesus is uh, uh, appearing to John the Revelator. And he says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. This is Jesus. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne. As I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the spirit says to the church. Tap your neighbor, say, y'all got an ear? You got an ear? Can you hear? Can you hear? Jesus said, I stand at the door 
and knock. A door, church, represents a gate. A door represents, represents an entry point into another dimension or into another reality or to another atmosphere. It's funny how you can be in one side of the door and have a completely different atmosphere than when you walk through another side of the, the other side of that door and it's something different than when you were just at. It's funny how you can go from one house to the other and feel something outside versus what's inside. No peace outside, peace on the inside. It's also funny, moms and dad, how you can be in your house and feel one atmosphere in one room and a different atmosphere in another room. Mom and dad, let me tell you something. There should be no difference between your living room and your children's rooms. There shouldn't be another. Y'all don't want to. First service did me the same way. Don't want to talk back at me right now. Mom, dad, we shouldn't have a different atmosphere in your children's room that has all kinds of problems, rebellion, stuff that's going on there, and then there's peace in your living room. If you want peace in the whole house, you've got to change that atmosphere. Thank you for them, Holy Ghost grunts. Hallelujah. Are you flowing with me so far? Now, I want you to get the picture. Jesus as is standing in this revelation Jesus is standing at the point of entry in John's life. You cannot see him, but you can hear his voice. Someone's faith got to kick in here. That's why you can be back to the kids situation. You could be in your house and you need your kids to do something, but they're in their room with the door closed and you're too lazy to get up. Come on, be honest about it. I am too. I don't want to get up. So you say, hey. What do you say next? Open the stinking door. Come on. Because when the door is open, now we can have good communication. Even down the hallway, we can hear each other pretty good. Amen. Y'all. So Jesus is standing at the door, the entry point of John's life. This is a prophetic picture to your life and to my life. Okay. And he says this. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, again, that lets me know in order to hear his voice, I'm going to have to get pretty close to the door. Because if I'm down the hallway, come on somebody, and I hear someone at the door, I can't hardly hear them. I hear murmuring, that's all I hear. Muffled voices, that's all I hear. But if I get closer to the door, come on somebody. You know how you do when the bill, bill collector shows up. Come on somebody. Shh, be quiet. It's a landlord. Shut up. I'll, I'll kill you. I'll kill you. Look out the door. What? You want to see what's going on? Because you can hear, but you can't, you can't make out what's going on yet. Jesus is on the other side of the door. And he's speaking. But we don't have clarity enough yet because we're not getting close enough to Jesus. I'm trying to get somewhere. I'm, I'm, I'm trying. Let me make this statement. The closer you get to his voice, the closer to the breakthrough you're about to receive. Because this door will open into another dimension of your life, into another position in your life, into the breakthrough you've been dreaming about. But you can't get to that place unless you're willing to cross the threshold. And you can't get there unless you know who's on the other side of the door. Because you can't just let anybody into your world. Amen. 
Some people say, why doesn't the Lord just come and just fix my problem? You want to know why? Because the doorknob is on your side. Jesus said, if any man hears my voice and opens the door, I will come. Let me say it one more time. I want everybody to get this today. He said, if any man hears my voice and he opens the door, I'll step on in. I'll come in. I'll dine with him. I'll sup with him. I'll commune with him. I'll have relationship with him. Amen, somebody. But see, here's the deal. That's what we talked about last week about everything hinges on faith because that's how the door opens in the first place because you got to have the courage to open the door. Got to have the courage to know what's on the other side. People get too caught up in where they're at. And they want God to meet them where they're at and not come up where he is. That's why he told John, come up. I see a door. Now come up. We, my wife and I were in Madison, Wisconsin. We started a church in 1997. I was 28 years old. And um, I didn't know much, but I had a little knowledge, and we, we had a dream. And it didn't come to pass. I mostly knew the story. And then out of all that, that series of things that didn't happen quite right, had a handful of people, and about a year and a half in, God speaks to me. And he says, son, I need you somewhere else. And I was thinking about it today as I was worshiping God. That's why I love that song. I, I'll, I'll see him do it again. Whatever he's done, he'll do it again. God wants to, he wants to blow our minds. And I'm on the front row and I'm worshiping the Lord today and it's coming back to my, my memory and most of you know the story so I won't bore you with the details but I will tell you, I had a supernatural encounter with God and God spoke to me, said you're in the wrong place. I need you in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And we had closed down our church and sent our members to different churches there in Madison. And, and then we began to plan, strategize to come to Milwaukee. I didn't know y'all. You didn't know me. Aren't you glad I showed up? I, I'm glad you did. I'm so glad you showed up. Because now we're one big happy family. Come on. And I love my church. This is my family. In some ways, you're closer than any family I got. And I love my family. Because if you look around... We're all different colors of skin. Hallelujah. And Milwaukee is one of the most divided cities in America. And yet right here is an oasis on the south side of town where everybody can come together and feel like they're apart. I love that. I love that. And so we didn't know. We didn't. All I had was what God said to me to do. And so I had to have the courage. My wife had to have the courage that I heard his voice and I'm willing to walk through the door thinking, what if I have the same faults and failures and miss missteps? And what if I feel the same pain that I felt before? I don't, look, I didn't want to ever go through that again in my life. Who does? Who does? It's painful. And I was like, I don't know, what, I don't know why I'm doing this. I would tell myself, why am I even putting myself through this? I know why. I've heard his voice. See, he stood at the door and he knocked and all I did was have the courage to open the door and say what is it you need I hear your voice what is it and I could preach all day on what happened as a result of us coming here Revelations 4.1 it continues the story after these things what things he said when Jesus will stand at the door knocking after those things I looked everybody say I looked 
and behold a door standing open in heaven. We're talking about doors. And the first voice, everybody say the first voice, which I heard was like a trumpet speaking to me, saying, come up here and I will show you things which must take place after this immediately. I was in the spirit and behold, a throne set in heaven and one sat on the throne. He's there. Everything we, everything we got to have from him is first by the spirit. We have to have eyes to see. But I want you to notice, he saw the door and it opened. Jesus was at the door, he opened it. It was open because he opened it. How? He pressed through. And he said the first voice, everybody say the first voice. That's kind of curious. The first voice spoke to me like a trumpet. And then it says, saying, come up here. I studied that. Those are two separate events. The first voice was like a trumpet. The second voice was, come up here. That lets me know that when God speaks, sometimes it's not discernible. But you know it's him. It's got authority. It's like a blast of a trumpet. You know God's saying something, but you can't quite, you can't quite get the information. You can't quite articulate it. But you know God, he's a, God's about to shift me. God's about to make me. God's about to mold me. Something new is about to happen, but I don't know what it is yet. Come on. It's like a trumpet. It gets my attention. And then he got close enough to hear we got to get close enough to Jesus to hear what he has to say to us. He said, I looked and I saw this happen. I looked and I heard. I heard Kim Clement say one time, if you want to hear God's voice, learn to look for it. Because look means to perceive. It means to discern. Are we looking for that voice? Are we, I know it sounds, sounds weird to say look for a voice, but it's the truth. We're looking for Jesus. Are we looking for him? Are we trying to perceive him in our daily life? Are we trying to allow him into our world? Are we wanting to go into his world? Are we, perceive, are we discerning what God's doing? Are we complaining about our situation or discerning what God's doing through it? I would say most of us complain about it. Got my hand up. But the more and more I get with him, the more I understand that that was only like a trumpet trying to get my attention. Amen. Are you looking for him? I, I, this was, I was a young man, and I, I began to study the word. And one of the first things so precious to me that God spoke to me, and that was over Peter. And I was reading about Peter and how Peter had never met Jesus before. But he sees Jesus walking along the beach. And when Jesus sees him, he utters these words. He says, come, follow me. Three words. Come, follow me. And the Bible says Peter left all. Sounds so simple until you dig into it. Do you know this man was an entrepreneur? Do you know he had a successful, thriving, big business, fishing business that he inherited from his father that employed lots of people, including his brothers? Did you know he was making a pretty good amount of money? He wasn't 15 years old or 20 years old. He was already uh, not advanced in the age, but he was a young man, and he'd already passed his youth, and had, he had his own children and his own family to take care of. But Jesus utters three world words, come follow me, and he just drops it all, sells his business, gets out of it, and starts following Jesus. That day, I asked the Lord, how did he do that? 
I heard the Spirit of God speak to me this, this way, and I've seen it proven in Scripture. He said, because Peter was looking for him. He didn't know what he was looking for. He didn't know who he was looking for. He just knew something in him. I'm not settled where I'm at. This is not the rest of my life. This is not the end of my story. There's something else. And when he heard the words of Jesus, it was a moment in time he discerned it. He perceived it. This is the one I'm going to spend the rest of my life working for. Are you looking for him? Are we going to spend another year complaining about our lives and how it didn't happen? This didn't come through. That door didn't open. Amen. The wise men. I can list all these people. Think about the wise men. They, they knew God, but they didn't know Jesus. But they studied the stars, and they knew Pisces was a sign, and that it was a sign of a king being born, a great king being born in the earth, and they knew it was of God, and they began to set their minds and studying all about it. They were looking for Jesus. They didn't know it, but they were looking for the Messiah. And when they saw that great light, when they saw that star, they knew that was the one that would hover over Jesus. And they found him, and they gave great gifts to Jesus as a result of that. I'm saying they would have never found him, never had they not been looking for him. I looked, and I saw the door open. Look at Matthew 6. Now we're going to change gears. Y'all with me? I got just a little bit of time. Matthew 6, 6. Jesus speaks to his disciples. He says, but you, when you pray, go into your room. And when you have shut your door, pray to your father who is in the secret place. And your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. There's a principle here that I want you to see that leads to your breakthrough in your life. Jesus said, when, he's expecting this to happen, when you have shut your door, then God's blessing, God's favor, God's breakthrough will reward you openly. Why? Because God is unable to open for you what you're unwilling to close for him. Come on, church. Come on, church. This is not complicated. This is not complicated. We just need understanding. Here's the principle. Faith operates on the single door principle. There cannot be two doors open in your life at the same time. Faith doesn't leave options open. Am I preaching all right today? Faith is single vision. When God told us to leave Madison, what choice did I have? I guess I could have disobeyed. But I recognize if I want God to bless my life, I don't care what it looks like. If I look like a failure, if I look like a quitter, how it may look like to somebody else, I'm going to obey this God. I want to preach this today. I want to preach this today. Faith doesn't leave unnecessary options open in my life. It's one door at a time. And when God says walk through it, my job is to say, yes, sir. Once I've heard clearly by letting Jesus in the trumpet, I, I didn't know exactly all, how, what it all meant, but I knew I heard him. And then it got clearer and it got clearer and it got clearer in my life. Having two doors open is like a positive and a negative charge. It's like oil and water. It never goes together. That's why he said, I set before you life and death. 
Then he hints. Hint, choose life. But you got to make the decision. What door are you going to go through and what door are you going to close in your life? You'll either serve God or money, the Bible says. Jesus said that. You cannot have two masters. Romans 8, 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Number one, you have the door of the flesh that leads to sin and death. And number two, you have the door of the spirit that leads to life. And both don't open at the same time. You can't drive forward and backwards at the same time. (laughs) Hey, y'all flowing me so far. He says, flesh, you want to choose that door? That door will lead you to destruction, sin and death. You want to choose life? That uh, that door, uh, spirit rather, that door leads to life. You got to learn to shut the door. As much as we want God to open a door, he requires that we first shut a door. You got to shut a door on lying. Shut a door on sexual misbehavior. You got to shut a door on cheating. You got to shut a door. Shut the door to your flesh. I'm preaching better than you're shouting. Come on. Everybody say shut the door. Cold outside. Shut the door. You're letting the heat out. You can't have two doors open at the same time. Which door are you going through? And which door do you got to close? Romans 8, 3. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. He condemned sin in the flesh. In other words, no one was able to go to heaven until Jesus came to become the entry point to heaven. Jesus is the door. Let me say it again. Jesus is the door. John 10, 7, then Jesus said to them, most assuredly I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who ever come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will come in, go in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes, except does not come except to steal and to kill and destroy. I have come that you may have life, that you may have it more abundantly. In other words, I have come to be the door to life and a life filled with abundance. It's time for us to go through the door. That means shut the door on my worldly ways. Shut the door to my sin. Shut the door to my past. Shut the door to sin, shame, condemnation. And walk through the door of Jesus into my blessing. Come on. Again, Jesus said, We've been, you've got to shut the door. And when you shut the door, the Father who sees in the secret place. See, I know you're looking at that and you always preach that or thought that or, or, or believe that that was the closet, the prayer closet. And you go in there and you get quiet and God hears you. And you know what? You're absolutely right. But this Bible is not just a natural book. It's a spiritual book, and you start to see it all the way through from Genesis. I'm going to show you. Through Genesis, literally Genesis to Revelation. 
The door is a spiritual thing. So when God says something, it doesn't mean just for the natural. It's also for the spirit. And so when he said, when you want to get hold of God, you got to shut, get in that place of secret and shut your door from the world and distractions and the things that keep you down and even your wants and your desires. And now you get in that place where God who sees in secret. See, God hears your prayer. God knows your heart. God knows what's going on in your life. He knows everything about you. And he said, when you call upon him, he who sees in secret will reward you how? Openly. That means this, that whatever I said in secret, God says, it's a secret right now. And I'm not going to tell him all your business, but the day will come. I'm going to reward you that everybody can see the blessing and prosperity upon your life. Am I talking to these two people today? Who wants the blessing and prosperity of God upon your life? Shut your door. You got to shut your door. Amen, church. He said, I'll reward you openly. People might get jealous of your rewards. Be rewarded anyways. When you get blessed, you say, amen. Praise the Lord. If he did it for me, he'll do it for you. I hate that sometimes people get blessed and say it to me. Because my flesh wants to say, my flesh wants to say, I want to do it for me right now. That's what I want. And I'm looking at you and I'm thinking, I'm more deserving than you are. So how'd you get it? That's, that, that's the flesh. That's my flesh. But what I've learned to do is shut that off. I shut the door to my flesh. I open the door to the Spirit and say, Lord, thank you that you blessed them. You're no respecter of persons. If you did it for them, I know now you can do it for I really know. I really know now. You did it for them. Come on. Am I telling the truth and shaming the devil? And so he wants to reward us. And when he does it, he doesn't do it in a corner somewhere. He takes your life and he advances it so that everybody can see that it was God. Now, I want you to listen to me for a couple minutes. Look over Genesis 4.1. They're going to put it on the screen. Now, Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain and said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. Then she bore again, this time his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. In the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering. He did not respect Cain and his offering. Why? Because it wasn't required to bring a grain offering. It was required to bring a flesh offering. So Cain would have needed to do what? Take his, take his offering, uh, take his crops, and go purchase cattle or, or sheep or whatever it was, and then offer that to the Lord. And then once a grain, it was the grain season, it'd be vice versa. See? See how that works? So God said, you, you're doing stuff. You're doing something I didn't ask you to do. Matter of fact, you're being disobedient to what I did say. So here's what happened. Cain was very angry. Why did he get angry? He's, he's, he's getting in the flesh. And his countenance fell. So the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? And why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies where? At the door. And his desires for you, but you should rule over it. Now Cain talked with Abel, his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and killed him. First murder in the history of mankind. Only one generation in, already a murder. God warned Cain. He said, pal, I cannot respect that you do something that I told you wasn't for me. You did what I didn't ask, and you didn't do what I asked. And as a result of that, I'm telling you, 
Now, you can control this, but you got to be careful because sin is at the door. What happened? Cain never shut the door of unforgiveness, jealousy, envy, anger, rejection, hatred, and eventually death, sin, death jumped through the door. And that's how it got on Cain to kill his brother, Abel. Everybody say, shut your door. You got to shut the door. What did God tell Cain? He said, sin is at the door and his desire is for you, but you should rule over it. The doorknob is on your side. If you can, I'm asking you, shut the door. If you don't shut the door, sin is going to grab a hold of you and death and destruction of your flesh is going to become a part of that. Amen. In other words, you need to shut the door. Notice that God did not shut the door for Cain, but he gave him authority over it. God has given you authority over these bad situations you have in your life. I'm, I love you all. I'm, I think I'm your pastor. I'm probably most people's pastor. I'm not everybody's pastor because I found out something about pastoring. You're really not everybody's pastor that goes to the church. You're only the pastor of those who allow you to pastor them. The rest of y'all are just bystanders, and I still love you. So I'm going to tell you the truth no matter what. And I'll say this to you, is that you don't need to live in drama 24-7. You don't need this. It's eating you up. It's stressing you out. It's taking your children away from you. It's taking relationships and money out of your pocket. I'm telling you, it goes on and on and on. Look at me, guys. I am not a perfect person, but I don't let drama in my home. I take authority over it. I didn't never allow my children to have one atmosphere in their bedroom and didn't share the same atmosphere in my house. We're going to have peace everywhere in this house. If I've got to beat it out of you, we're going to get this peace in this house. I don't play that. I don't want to do this. Don't make me do this. But it's going to be this way because this is God's way. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That's what the Bible says. You have to take authority. Take authority. You don't say, well, I'm single. I don't have a husband. I didn't have one like you. My mother was more, my mother beat me more than my dad did. So mothers, don't, that's, that's a crock. You can take authority of your house too. Amen. You certainly can. Don't, don't believe that stuff. But here's what I'm saying to you. That drama stuff has got to stop in your life. You got to shut the door to it and say, this is not, I'm not going to keep allowing this in my life, in my world. No, I'm growing up. I'm actually getting sophisticated now. I can't spell it, but I'm going to be it. Praise God. People get into sin, they go, well, you know, pastor, the devil made me do it. Uh, please. The devil made me do it. Yeah, I tell you what, the devil just beat me up and he finally got the victory. But the Bible don't say that at all. The Bible says Satan's under your feet. How did you get under his foot? He gave you authority to control what comes into your world. God wants to ease your life with being so overwhelmed with so many decisions. That's why he made it easy. Not many doors, one. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says this, no temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you're able to bear it. He didn't say. First of all, that, that knocks the whole devil made me do it right out. You, you got control of this. No temptation. You, you can bear it. God will help you. Give you grace. But he says he'll make the way of escape. 
Not many ways. Not 14 ways. Not 1,400 ways. Not 14,000 ways. One way. He makes it simple. It's the door that he's standing behind. You know, God is standing behind one door in your life that will unlock so many other questions and answers that you need to be, questions you need answers to. And you begin to take on a whole new way of living. And you're thinking, I got to do this, I got to do that. It's one thing. It's the way of escape. It's the way, the Bible says. We have another instance where the Bible talks about the tabernacle. How many doors did it have? One door. One way in, one way out. The ark, and that was to get into the presence of God. One way into his presence. The ark of the, ark of, uh, the, ark of the flood. And where Noah and his family built this ark. How many doors did it have? One that got you out of destruction. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. He said, I am the door. Amen. There are not many ways to him. There's not multiplicity of ways. There's one way to what? To salvation. Jesus is the door. He stands and he knocks. How many have seen the picture of Jesus in the garden with the lantern? He's white. <laughs> and he's knocking on the door. Come on, someone say, you see that picture? Uh, think of that right now. He's knocking on the door. <laughs> 